0: All right, Um, welcome again, everybody. Um, So today we will uh, present key information from uh, the interim guidelines for local government practitioners to assist them in the use um, and procurement of road surfacing products uh, with recycled waste plastics. Um, We have more than 500 uh, people registered for today's session. So welcome to you all uh, and thanks for joining us. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Austroads and I will be moderating today's session together with uh, Sue Tao. Uh, Sue is a specialist uh, materials uh, scientist from Transport um, for New South Wales. Um, Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Australian, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to all this past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about Austroads. Uh, We are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. The project we are focusing on today uh, was delivered under the Transport Infrastructure Program which is managed by Rose Gapi. Uh, A little bit of housekeeping as usual. So our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a uh, a Q&A session for 15 minutes. The report and the slides today's session is based on can be downloaded from uh, the handout section of your sidebar, which you will find on the right hand side of your screen. There is also a questions section there, so please use it to send us your questions for the Q&A at any stage during the webinar. If your question relates to any particular slide, uh, please include the slide number in your message uh, to help us answer your question um, as best as we can. You can also use that same questions box to let us know if you have any technical problems. Uh, But just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, the issue is most likely with your internet connection. So, leaving the session. Closing your browser and rejoining again using your registration link uh, usually helps. This session is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. If you listen to podcasts, uh, you can find Austroats in your podcast app. So, today's presenters are Azim Rimtula and Steve Halligan. We will first hear from Azim, uh, who has 38, 38 years of experience in all facets of bituminous binders and emulsions. He has been instrumental in the early adoption of modified uh, bitumen technologies in Australia, which currently benchmarks uh, the overall specification of modified binders. Our second presenter is Steve Halligan. Steve is a consultant uh, specializing in bituminous materials and asphalt, uh, focusing on increasing the use of recycled materials. Steve developed and maintained specifications, guidelines, uh, test methods, as well as contributed knowledge to national bodies such as Austroads, NATA, and uh, Standards Australia. So, welcome to our presenters, and I will now hand over to Azim.
1: All right, I'll get started. Uh, good afternoon uh, to everybody. Uh, I'll start with introducing the team, uh, as uh, Katrina has mentioned. The, the lead of our team uh, representing Ausroads was Sue Tau from Transport for New South Wales. Uh, and uh, the report uh, in terms of this guide has been co-authored by Steve Halligan and myself. Uh, there was a review uh, of uh, all the work uh, done under the auspices of the Permanent Task Force. Uh, on the Osroads technical advisory group and uh, it went for endorsement of the Osroads board. In terms of review um, all the sort of interested members within the Osroads uh, affiliation being all the road authorities uh, were also Part of the endorsement processes, so they have had the chance to to look at the projects and uh, and also review and comment on it. Additionally, the reports went to uh, widely into the industry as well uh, as a public comment, and there was a, a fair comment numbers of comments that came through that we had to work through in preparation of this particular guide. Uh, and additionally, Osroads uh, and the, the technical group and the task force. Uh, We were also involved in that particular process. So just as a background, uh, the need for this guide is really based on uh, the Australian government's uh, decision to ban export of mixed plastics. Uh, So there is an accumulation of plastic and it was perceived that uh, some of these plastics could be used in road construction, road surfacing. The ban took effect uh, for mixed plastics from July uh, 2021, uh, and uh, for single polymers, it's going to be from July of 2022. So the pressure is really on in terms of what can happen with these plastics uh, and where it can be used. Uh, And as a result of that, the road surfacing application was identified as, as being one avenue for use. As it's always the case, uh, a lot of these sorts of technologies uh, in terms of trialling things fall uh, and start at the incipient level with the councils Um, and uh, the councils are very interested in trying to see if they can utilise the plastics uh, in load servicing application. The issue is that currently there is no specifications uh, or a guide uh, in terms of uh, how to place these waste plastics and use them in road surfacing application. So Oathroads took up uh, an initiative. Uh, They already have some very long-term research projects uh, that are looking at the use of recycled plastic in road surfacing applications. Uh, It will be a little while before this uh, study is completed and some uh, real outcomes uh, are obtained from this particular study. So in the meantime, Ausroads identified uh, that there is a need to look at something interim, thus this particular guide. It is an interim guide. It will have a, a time uh, life for its uh, use and eventually it will be taken over by a proper guide after all the work has been done. So this is really to fulfil the immediate need uh, for, uh, for, uh, for, for the local council particularly. The methods that we use for the delivery and the deliverables are as follows. Uh, We looked at all the existing reports and research work and there is uh, quite a fair amount of work that's being done in this particular area. Uh, We looked at some directions from these reports, Uh, we studied what the industry was doing to see if there were some early learnings and experiences in this field. Uh, we had a consultation process with the stakeholders, which is uh, the road authorities, the industry, uh, just to be able to understand the current state of plan uh, and then we prepared uh, 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 the the actual guide, and in specific it is for the local government uh, applications as well it covers various types of waste plastics and it looks at different approaches of use of different types of plastics it also reflects on the understanding of different levels and incorporation of uh, the waste plastics and in particular there is a fair amount of section in there in epsom specification to guide in a process of selecting Uh, recycled plastics uh, in terms of uh, procurement and use on road surfacing applications. I'd just like to highlight some limitations. Uh, The interim guide really focuses on local roads only with defined criteria. I think when we initially started, there was a fair amount of uh, consultation and feedback uh, that uh, it should be really defined for a specific type of application uh, with specific traffic loadings, and Steve will talk about that later on. Uh, the scope was never to look at the health safety and environmental aspects of it, did, and due to the limited information in that particular area. However, there was a strong feeling that there should be some indications of the health safety and environmental uh, impacts of using recycled plastics. Uh, So, the guide is there, uh, which will sort of drive in terms of a questionnaire uh, uh, regarding the health safety aspects, but the onus of uh, supplying that information will be on on the suppliers to demonstrate. Uh, The guide also does not address the future recyclability of the asphalt because it's early days. Um, The guide sets out general questionnaire on health and safety. It guides in assessment of quality and relative laboratory performances. The guide also provides worked examples of assessments. However, it is using hypothetical name, product names, Uh, but the data that's in there in terms of test properties is actual uh, for each respective case study. So in terms of research and findings, uh, I will break this up into two, the international perspective and also a national perspective. From the international perspective, um, it is uh, an increasing uh, sort of uh, activity around the research in this particular field. Uh, There are numerous papers written. Uh, What we have done in this particular guide is to include quite a comprehensive bibliography uh, over and above The requirements for referencing some of the material. So it gives uh, the scope of people to to review uh, some of those papers that are written on that particular subject. Uh, Additionally, the National uh, Asheville Paving Association in the United States uh, has produced two reports. Uh, They are quite elaborate. I think the first one entitled The State of Knowledge, uh, really looks at the gaps that are in the use of recycling technologies. And like we have over here, they have a similar issue regarding lack of information regarding health and safety and recyclability. And it also recommends uh, work in terms of sourcing aspects of recycled plastics. It talks about incorporation of recycled plastics and it suggests uh, work around characterization of binders and mixes and monitoring of placements and field applications. The Europeans have got a position paper uh, generally on waste materials, uh, and it highlights uh, uh, the process of uh, using and assessing waste materials, including plastics. And it takes an approach of uh, looking at risk assessment Uh, by using these products. And they have classified the risks as chemical risks, mechanical risks, physical risks, uh, environmental risks. So there is uh, quite a bit of information out there uh, in in terms of assessing some of the risk uh, mitigation. Uh, And finally, as far as the products are concerned of waste recycled nature that are usable most of the products are used in the UK and the US right here and now. There's a little lesser amounts of these sorts of materials used in in other parts of Europe. Um, These products from UK and USA have actually made their way into Australia as well. And some trials have been done with these sorts of products. Um, And these are international suppliers. However, because we want to resolve our recycling plastic issues, I think the international suppliers understand that for their technologies to really take off in Australia then they will have to look at trying to see the use of plastics uh, and uh, recycled plastics uh, using their technologies to be manufactured locally over here and, and and they're willing to do that. In terms of the national findings, uh, as I said, bulk of the work being done by Austroads at the moment. They've already got quite a few projects underway. Um, the one, viability of using recycled plastics in sealing was released about a year ago. Uh, and uh, there's another one that looks at uh, fit for purpose use of uh, recycled materials. Uh, and both of those uh, refer to waste materials. Uh, one more relevant to plastics, the other more relevant to looking at the life cycle costing and assessment of uh, of using of waste materials. The biggest project uh, that is now OSRED is embarked on is with the RMIT University. Uh, And uh, the project is really broken up into three three parts. Uh, The first part has been delivered, which is literally looking at the overview of recycled plastic uh, uh, industry and the recycled plastic types the, that was released in March of this year um, and that can be visited on the on the OSROADS uh, website. Uh, the other two modules are work in progress, uh, the first one being towards the use and selection of road grid plastics um, and the third one which will be in 2022 uh, looking at the road road plastics uh, use in, in sustainable fill the final performance in environment. So by the time the, the final project is delivered, it'll be a comprehensive bit of information regarding all aspects in the use of recycled plastics from sourcing to the type of uh, the limitations that might be around it uh, in terms of the environmental health and safety testing procedures uh, and uh, and also some guide to performance related aspects and uh, and some suggestions of uh, specifications. Further to that, there's also a lot of national work being done by uh, two other uh, bodies. One is NECO, which is the National Asphalt Center of Excellence uh, as part of the Department of Transport in Queensland. Uh, working in collaboration with Australian Road Research Board and the Western Australian Road Research Board program, uh, and the Western, uh, the West, uh, the main roads Western Australia as well. So it's it's a combination and a collaborative effort between those two entities. Uh, there's a a long-term objective. Uh, And the five things that they're going to look as part of this particular project is looking at the background and establishment, looking at the environmental work and health and safety from the laboratory testing point of view, engineering performance, uh, full-scale trials and guidelines and standard development. It is going to be a sequential uh, sort of um, triggering of these projects. So one stage will depend on the findings of the previous stage. So in time to come, there will be a, a substantial amount of information with all this work being done by Warwick and NECO. Uh, a lot of the emphasis will be on the use of recycled uh, material in Western Australia and in Queensland, but it will have a major implications for us over here as a, as a national entity. Finally, at the national level, industry has uh, done a lot of work as well. Uh, of information councils have done some trials so several products are already out there uh, being promoted being demonstrated and in some cases they are commercial both for ashfill and spray sealing applications you'll find in the guide a table uh, and the table uh, sort of looks at the various organizations uh, the product name the commercial name of that particular product It talks about the description uh, of the technology, uh, the primary source uh, where the, what type of plastics are being used. Uh, It talks about the forms these plastics are being used, uh, the various applications in which it's used, whether it's dense graded or asphalt, And there's also an indication of where the demonstration has been done. So it's quite a a, a snapshot summary of uh, what's out there uh, that can be visited uh, through the websites, uh, through talking to these individual organizations. In terms of the technologies, if you combine all the technologies and break them up, they basically fall in, into two categories. There is uh, the actual recycled plastic that gets used as a dry material, or you have a material that gets blended in the bitumen. Um, so in recycled plastics, the forms vary. It can be a singular plastic, it can be a composite. Uh, the material can be used uh, exclusively on its own, or it can be used with other recycling materials such as wrap and, um, and glass, for example. So overall, the assessment for a dry mix then really falls into a criteria of literally looking at the mix. Uh, the final mix and the performance of the final mix. In terms of the wet addition, it gets blended in the bitumen uh, and uh, there I think relatively life is simpler as long as the materials can be corresponding to meet the current standards for polymer modified binders, which is the ATS-3110. In terms of the considerations, uh, as far as the technology are concerned, the key real thing is understanding the storage and handling of the materials in in the dry system. The important part is to ensure that when the material is added as a dry material, that it is well distributed within the Asheville matrix. The melting point uh, works with the bitumen to ensure that it bonds with the bitumen uh, within the Asheville matrix. And as far as the wet process is concerned, uh, then the important thing is to ensure that the binder is homogeneous and it meets the, uh, you know, the segregation test, which can be ascertained by the uh, the standard uh, t 108 from Osrod spec. So overall, it's really the understanding of the type of plastics that have been used uh, and uh, whether it's a composite, whether it's a singular, and also all the impurities there may be in the plastics as well have to be sort of, established and understood. Finally, uh, before I hand it over to Steve, uh, I think the use of recycled plastic has has got opportunities to be used in various surfacing, road surfacing. Uh, it could be either in the dense graded mixes in the spray sealing on pavement preservation. Uh, generally speaking with spray sealing, as I just described, the current ATS standard 3110 would suffice. Uh, because both the spray sealing and the pavement preservation are really reliant on the binder in the specification the testing of the binder where things are different are really with the use in dense graded felt because it's being used either in a dry form or is it used in a, in a in a wet application or is used with other recycling materials so the from the council point of view or from the decision point of view it's really looking at a comparative uh, aspects of conventional asphalt versus alternative asphalt with asphalt with with plastics. So this second part that Steve's now going to take over is going to actually focus on this uh, relativity between alternative and conventional asphalt. So with that, Steve, I'll hand it over to you. Just quickly, if you have any questions, please uh, type in your slide number, uh, and uh, and 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 we will address your question uh, at the end
2: thank you Azim. this section is going to look at how we take dense graded asphalt that's been manufactured with recycled waste plastic and that may include also other recycled materials like recycled asphalt wrap uh, rubber etc glass and how uh, a customer can take that from being an alternative in
3: a tender process to being able to use the product. Now, as I mentioned before
2: about the scope of the interim guidelines, they're applicable to the use of dense graded asphalt as a wearing course and also for sprayed sealing work. Um, for dense graded asphalt, it may be for other applications principles are most likely the same now a key part is the interim guidelines are intended for the use by local governments on local roads so those roads are, are not roads that carry a heavy volume of traffic or a high proportion of heavy vehicles They are intended for local roads for local government that use design traffic loading the interim guidelines have included a, uh, a value there now Terminology that occurs throughout the interim guideline is conventional asphalt and alternative asphalt. And conventional asphalt is basically the predominant type of asphalt, dense graded asphalt that a local government would use on its network. For the purposes of the interim guidelines, it's assumed a 10 millimetre, 14 millimetre dense grade asphalt with class 220 bitumen and designed to either marshal 3550 blows or gyratory 5080 but that may be changed the next slide will talk about that the alternative asphalt is what an asphalt supplier is proposing to a local government to use as an alternative to the placement of conventional asphalt so that's where a proprietary product or something may be offered so the terminology is key because throughout the process ultimately what happens is there's comparative testing between the two types of asphalt now a critical thing is that the asphalt supplier along the way has to do performance related testing of both their own alternative asphalt but also the customer's conventional asphalt for comparative purposes so the asphalt supplier needs to know what that conventional asphalt is so it's a customer the local government asset owner will nominate what that conventional asphalt is and it doesn't necessarily have to follow what's in the interim guidelines it could be a slightly different size dense grade that may have different binder may have a polymer modified binder but the key is it needs to be put into the process up front. Now the applications for adding recycled waste plastic into asphalt uh, vary, but three key areas, they can be used as an aggregate extender. So that can take some of the virgin aggregate, which is the crushed aggregates coming from quarries, and uh, replacing that. And it's done using the dry process. This is the dry manufacturing process, because the aim here is that this recycled waste plastic shouldn't change form, shape, or size during the mixing process. So it should go in and be consistent that every batch of asphalt's made, comes out the same as what was designed in the laboratory. So it's not intended that the plastic here melt more than just probably around the edges. It can be used as a extender to offset a proportion of the virgin bitumen in the asphalt mix design. So that could be either the dry or the wet process. Um, it um, It needs a plastic that can melt readily, Such that it becomes liquid and becomes part of the bitumen. But used as a binder extender, the plastic may not contribute to much change in the properties of the binder. That's the third bullet point. Where when it does get into a binder, it's there to enhance the property. So it'll improve the properties of the binder, and by then default, it'll improve the properties of the asphalt. Now in the interim guidelines this is figure 6-3 and it's a flow chart to assist local government to look at a proposed alternative asphalt and say okay how can I get down to the bottom of that flow chart where the council can use it. So the remaining slides will address each cell from the chart and we're starting right up the top at format appendix A5. Now this is a form that the asphalt supplier needs to complete. It's got a lot of uh, questions in there. It requires detailed responses from the asphalt supplier. And along the way, the asphalt supplier is most likely can need the assistance of qualified people to do some analysis and assessment of the questions. Now, this questionnaire is then submitted with the proposal to use the alternative asphalt. So some of the questions in there, what has been done to reduce fuming, odour at placement, emissions during production. So that means at the asphalt plant and when that's been paved. So emissions fuming for the crew, but also any businesses or uh, residents in the immediate area of those asphalt works. Looking at leaching of chemicals and particulates to the environment looking at assessment of microplastics and loss of fine particulate. And the bottom one is, as Eem's already talked about, is asphalt is one of the most recycled products in the world at the moment. Some countries have very high levels of recycling of asphalt. Japan and some European countries, the US does too. We're talking, you know, hundreds of millions of tonnes. In Australia, it happens and it's increasing. So, there needs to be an assessment to say, okay, in 20, 25 years, when this asphalt's gone through its functional life and it has to be removed from the road, can it be removed without creating any hazards? Can it be processed subsequently from a removal? And then thirdly, can it be put through an asphalt plant without any issues? So that's something that hasn't been done and it needs to be done because there's no use putting a product down and then finding 20 years down the problem that there are issues now the next cell was looking at the wet mixing process so this is where recycled waste plastic is added to uh, bitumen and you create uh, a binder that may have properties similar to the bitumen itself it may not change the properties too much or it may become a modified binder So it is applicable to the wet process because there has to be mixing done and then that modified binder needs to be tested. And the testing either needs to follow the testing framework that's in Australian Standard 2AA for bitumens or Osro's technical spec 3110 for polymer modified bitumens. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that the asphalt supplier has to comply with all the limits for those properties and those specifications. It's the specification framework so it's the properties that are in there that's what needs to be tested the asphalt supplier may develop specs that are or sorry limits for those properties that vary a little bit from those current specifications now when the asphalt supplier puts forward the proposal to use um, for the wet process that is an alternative asphalt There's forms at Appendix A3 for bitumen or A2 for modified bitumen that need to be submitted. So that will have all the properties of the plastic modified binder, and then also the supplier's specification for those properties. So in the interim guidelines, there are example forms at B2 and B3 in the document that um, provide guidance. Now, the next part of it is a large part section 441 uh, talks about the properties of asphalt section 45 is a big section it talks about the asphalt mixed design process whether that be using marshall or gyratory compaction and then section 611 is the process where the local government or an agent working on their behalf or a collective of local governments would approve the use of our suppliers alternative asphalt so a key aspect is that both the conventional asphalt and the alternative asphalt should go undergo normal asphalt mix design processes and that includes a volumetric mix design to look at air voids vma or some people use vfb and of that and where marshall stability flow are tested So the alternative asphalt should undergo the same process, that volumetric mix design. And importantly, the volumetric properties for the alternative asphalt need to be the same. So if the air voids are three to 5% for conventional asphalt, the alternative asphalt should be designed to three to 5% air voids. I'll go back also that um, a key part here is that um, the particle size distribution And the binder content of the return to asphalt doesn't have to be the same as conventional asphalt. They can differ, but the volumetric properties need to be the same. Now, where a customer specification doesn't include volumetric properties, uh, the guidelines recommend that they move to OSPEC or Australian Standard 2150 to adopt the volumetric properties in those documents and limits. Now, the outcome of the mixed design for alternative asphalt is it must be better than conventional asphalt so what's better it's a tricky one so the approach used in interim guidelines is you use performance related testing and that's come from an Australia's guide to pavement technology part 4b asphalt these are the properties that have been tested so workability assess literally how workable that uh, asphalt is so it's looking at the return of asphalt to make sure that it's not overly stiff or too harsh to work. So it's got a maximum air void content there, and that's after two hundred and fifty cycles of a gyratory compactor. Moisture sensitivity. Now this assesses the propensity for moisture damage in asphalt. So it's quite important here because some asphalts, don't have good uh, um, bonding characteristics with bitumen so it's quite important that the mixed design shows that there can be compatibility there and this asphalt mix design is not likely to be uh, threatened by the presence of moisture Deformation resistance all it's saying is the maximum rut depth should be no more than conventional asphalt so there's no numbers around rutting or fatigue performance here fatigue performance it's saying that the microstrain
3: strain value for alternative asphalt should be greater than conventional asphalt excuse me now for flexural stiffness and resilient modulus uh, they'll report
2: that for the pavement designer to see now in table 4.2 in the interim guidelines it goes and looks at the volumetric mix design process so here it says it's using in the conventional asphalt a class 320 bridgeman as I said earlier a local government may choose a different binder here that represents their typical dense graded asphalt so both process for conventional and alternative asphalt mix design use laboratory manufactured mix except for alternative asphalt it will either be using the wet or dry mixing process to um, <clears throat> to represent what's ultimately going to happen during production of the asphalt in an asphalt plant. Um, as I said, the target PC and binder content for the alternative asphalt may differ from conventional, but the volumetric design properties have to be the same. And one key area where labs will have to look at to do some work is that as soon as plastic or other recycled materials, uh, whether it be wrap, uh, rubber, et cetera, start being added to the class 320 bitumen or another bitumen, you're probably starting to change the characteristics of that binder, but also the characteristics of the asphalt mix. So with regard to compaction temperature for marshall or gyratory specimens in the lab, that needs to be determined because it's likely to be different than for the base bitumen in the conventional asphalt. So the relevant Australian standards for Marshall and Gyratory in Appendix B have a process to describe how that compaction temperature should be determined. Now the comparison testing where we're using these performance-related tests, the guidelines suggest you can use a laboratory or a plant manufactured mix. It's gotta be based on the same formulation that occurred in the previous testing um, where the uh, form- we're well, sorry, where the properties were determined for the base asphalt, it can't change now, the thing though is both for the conventional asphalt and for the alternative asphalt. they both need to be either plant mix or lab mix, not one or the other changing. They have to be comparative and be the same. The interim guidelines in the table four two also include guidance on plant mix um, where it's used hot and specimens compacted, so Both conventional and alternative asphalt they either have to be replicate both prepared hot or both cooled and reheated so it provides some guidance there on temperatures and timings for reheating. Now
3: testing of asphalt report on a form another form Appendix A4. So when the
2: asphalt supplier is putting forward its alternative asphalt mix design It'll provide all test reports relative to that and any work it did on the conventional asphalt on Nata-endorsed test reports. But then the the supplier will also fill out Form A4. And what that'll do, that'll identify the asphalt, who the producer is, the name of the product, proprietary name probably. Uh, It'll have also important on there, their target PSD and binder content plus any production tolerances that are applicable. And then they'll show their component materials are So the next slide slows this, shows this and the proportions. This is the formulation. This is the mix design that will go for approval. Um, so that for there onwards, until a new mix design is made, that formulation should be used consistently with adjustment for change to virgin materials gradings. So the format A4 will have the formulation of the mixed design. And that is approved, and it shouldn't change. It's not a case that a supplier says, "Oh, I haven't got crushed recycled glass today. I'll have to put something else in." That's not how it works." Now, at the end of the process there's Table 61 and Table 6 two talking about testing. But also, in section four six, there's guidance for laboratories testing. Um, asphalt that contains recycled waste plastic and possibly other recycled materials so that talks about binder content and preparation of other test specimens things that laboratories need to take into account that they're working with an asphalt that is quite different from what they traditionally handle so in table 6.1 it talks about the testing the standard routine testing particle size distribution, binder content, maximum density, uh, voids were specified in a client spec. If that's not in a customer specification, the interim guidelines recommend that the property shown in Table 6.1 be adopted. But it's Table 6.2 has additional testing that may not be in the customer specification and the key one in the middle is moisture sensitivity although that's been done at mixed design stage in this case where we've got a plastic material coming in that may have some variability it's important that ongoing testing be done to ensure that there's adequate mixing in the plant and the materials are consistent to make sure that we get good bonding between binders and the plastic to make sure that the asphalt is not prone to any moisture damage and hence the other two tests of moisture content and uniform coating are good practice and are enshrined in all standard specifications okay we move now onto spray sealing section 5 of the interim guidelines talks about spray sealing it works around the wet process such um, and then to start with there's a form at appendix a6 a cousin to the one at A5 but designed for spray sealing work so that needs to be completed and sent in but also there needs to be testing and evaluation of the modified binder that incorporates recycled waste plastic so in putting forward the proposal to use an alternative binder the supplier goes to forms at A1 or A3 and on those forms I'll have a typical test results for that modified binder and their spec if it varies from the Australian Standard 208 or the Austroids PMB spec. Now it's quite important also that the binder supplier and the asphalt supplier but here spray sealing the binder supplier they need to have a management system for the transport and storage of binder to make sure that in storage there's not settlement or segregation of the plastic polymers happening in there. And an important part also is quality plastic. So, right back where plastic is collected and where it's processed, and then when it gets to either a binder supplier or an asphalt supplier, there needs to be consistency in properties like plastic size, shape, uh, melting points, etc., and even the type of plastics in there, to minimise the amount of variability that is happening for the production of either the modified binder or asphalt that contains recycled waste plastic such that there's consistency in the process and a quality product comes out at the end of that process. Okay, at this stage I'm going to hand
3: back to Ekaterina to talk about questions. Thank you. Uh,
0: Thank you very much, Steve. and I invite Azim and uh, Sue. Oh, we've lost Steve. Steve, we need you back. No, I'm coming. Yep. Okay. Uh, so the slides are with me. So uh, over to you to moderate the Q&A and just let me know if I need to jump to any particular slide. I'll do.
4: Uh, okay, Azeem, Steve, are you ready? There's a lot of questions. <laughs> Um, okay, let's start with a very direct one, but it's probably on a few people's minds. Um, what testing are you recommending to assess leaching of chemicals into the environment and the assessment of microplastics?
1: Okay, I, I think there is no prescribed methodology right here and now, uh, but where uh, some work's already being done and Filippo at RMIT, has indicated uh, some initial work that they have already done Uh, I think it's really looking at uh, samples of asphalt uh, trying to do some abrasion testing uh, and then trying to encapsulate any material that might come out in the water and trying to assess uh, the the constituents both uh, as, as a physical material but also chemically as to you know what it is done to the water, so it's very early days, and I think uh, you know that that's all there is at the moment. So there is no risk, there is no specific method available. I know that uh, there has been a lot of work done with uh, reconol felt overseas, so uh, you know there is some method that was used, which was acceptable to, to EPA, in New South Wales. Um, so I think it's uh, you know there's a bit of uh, Indicator there that something like that could uh, could potentially be, uh, you know, the way out of understanding the leaching aspects of it.
3: Steve, did you have anything to add? I don't think so. I think, it, as team as said, it's early days. And
2: <clears throat> I think this question is something that the asphalt supplier needs to probably talk about. It's uh, with its national organisation and also to relevant bodies, Azim said was I think there was a programme of testing developed for one product with an environmental protection agency bringing in some assessment methodologies from I believe Europe.
4: Okay uh, And on
3: to rap, how do you see the use of rap in conjunction with this approach? WRAP um, um, is likely to be used with uh, asphalts
2: incorporated and recycled uh, waste plastic already there in the proprietary products that are out in the marketplace um, and WRAP also offsets uh, a quantity of bitumen in your mix so that will offset bitumen is the most expensive component in asphalt and by offsetting that there's a big cost saving there. So. I'll be surprised if wrap is not in
1: these asphalt mixtures. And I think just to add to that, Sue, is uh, I, I think rap's going to be part of life. Uh, you know, there'll be more and more use of it. Modified binders and sustainability type of concepts will ensure plastics are being used. So the combination will be there in time to come. Uh, and I think the designs on how you design the mixes, because at the end of the day, you know the wrap has got edged bitumen and then you're adding a a plastic binder which also stiffens the binder as well so as a combination you know the whole mix is becoming more and more stiffer as well so how do you design that and and how do you manage that uh, is 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 probably the way that things will have to be understood and designed in that sense yeah but already i think with plastics glass and wrap is being used in already here commercially i know that for sure
3: Hmm. Interesting. Uh, okay and there's a question here about the performance of the
4: alternative asphalt. Uh, actually there's several questions around this. So why do we say that the alternative asphalt must be better than the conventional asphalt? Um, can it be largely the same if, it was, if the alternative asphalt uses more
3: sustainable materials and it can meet a triple bottom line? Steve, you want to take that? I think the, 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 yeah, the point is
2: the addition of the recycled waste plastic should not change the properties of the asphalt such that the alternative asphalt has worse performance than the conventional asphalt. So swing it around the other way to say, this is not saying that uh, one is here and one should be way higher. That's not the intention. And we're not intending to modify it to get a massive improvement. Is showing that the performance, fatigue performance, and rutting performance should not be less than what the. And I think the owner, other.
1: Uh, and um, the other aspect, network,
2: meaning the conventional ASPOL.
1: Yeah, and the other aspect really is, uh, you know, the cost comparison between the two. So if they're both performing equal, and the the cost parameters are same, then there is not an issue. But if one's more expensive, then you have to decide and say, you know, are you prepared to pay that extra for it? So, you know, so there's an economical angle to all of that as well. But I don't think we have stipulated that one has to be better than the other. I think the decision has to be made by the consumer at the end of the day that they accept the alternative to being equal or they might accept the alternative to be a little bit more expensive than the other because it resolves the you know, there is recycling plastic problem.
4: And I think this um, this topic does dovetail nicely into another burning question, which is once these mixers containing plastic as at the end of its useful life, can it be reused as wrap? Does it still retain value? Does it change its usefulness?
1: I, I think I think the you know the you know it's no different than tire rubber or SBS polymers or whatever it is. I think it's the durability aspects of these things as to how how effective they're going to be after a certain period of time. Uh, with the you know the ozone, and the sort of the oxidative properties and the influences of all of those sorts of things, um, I think they, they they probably will continue to have a value to a certain extent. Um, The question of recyclability that we were discussing in this guide is really from the point of view of, uh, you know, is it going to create a microplasticity problem of a sort? And if it does, then how do we mitigate or manage that? Uh, And how that comes about really is at the end of the day is to principally what was the mix when it was laid was it a dry material was the plastic uses in aggregate was the material uh, modified binder so there are quite a few technicalities in terms of how the material was used as to what you will have eventually in the recycled material uh, and then how effective that recycled material is going to be for for further use if you like and what the effect of having the material out there in situ for 10, 15 years uh, in terms of oxidation and how that has changed. So I don't think we will get answers for all of those sorts of things, but I think overall, I think it it is a material. If it is usable, it will be usable and it will have some value and the polymer will have some value out of that as well.
3: Uh, Okay. So There's a question about
4: specifications. Um, Does the road authorities have specifications
3: developed for alternative asphalt?
1: Well, currently I don't think Steve that there's anything out there at all. And I think this is the very reason why we are where we are. And, And this is really looking at this approach of comparing alternative against this with more work being done in the university and with OSROADS and the NECO and the Warwick projects, I think a lot will develop, and then eventually there will be a specification of a sort. Uh, I I think the easy part is, if it is being supplied as a binder, then you know, the ATS 3110 would be the right one, and if we people can meet that specification using recycled plastic, I think life's easy and things can proceed. Uh, but on the mix side, it, it'll really have to be on a performance basis, and the complexity of uh, you know what other additional componentry in terms of wrap or glass or whatever's being used. So it will be a specification, in my view, something around the performance of the mix. Uh, I don't know, Steve, what your thoughts are.
2: It's um, with regard to the larger state road agencies. Uh, it's it's happening as we speak. Um, things are quite dynamic so across the country there's a lot of specs for crushed recycled glass already wrap has been used for a long time rubber um, there's a lot of specs and work being done on that front so I know in Western Australia that the Warrup um, research program has looked crumb rubber into asphalt and the question being can that be recovered and used 20 years down the track um, and I think VicRoad, through its ecologic, has quite a um, quite a, uh, cross-referencing chart of using different materials in there. Uh, transport from New South Wales uh, is, is moving quickly on that front, and Queensland also. Um, Northern Territory, I'm not sure. Um, but there's a lot happening in this front now. Plastics is the one, I think,
3: uh, that everyone's just sitting, waiting to see what comes out. So, and Osroads projects. Um, so there was a, so
4: AFA had a symposium last week and someone is asking that in one of the talks, uh, it was recommended that plastic should not be used in the surfacing of asphalt. Uh, because thermal cracking is likely. Do you agree? What are your thoughts?
1: I think generally speaking, it is is very clear that as soon as you start to add plastics to bitumen, you will stiffen the bitumen. So it's really the level of how much plastic you're putting, number one, and number two, the type of plastic you're putting in. So the stiffness properties has got direct sort of correlation to to cracking. So, you know, principally, if you've not correctly used the right plastic or if you added a lot of material in it and you're using hard grade bitumen to modify the combination, all of that may result in cracking issues for sure. But I think the, the notion generally is to use more softer plastic, uh, singular plastic singular polymer type LDP types and all of those sorts of things with low melt indexes and all of that so they are not that you know whilst they're still impart the stiffness is but relatively they are less the other aspect with this is that the producers may want to look at much, much sort of um, uh, lower viscosity bitumens and in combination with the plastic to get an overall balance so, they don't get the binder too stiff and have a resultant cracking problems. Um, so, and, and the final thing is that there is this notion of using uh, uh, composite materials as well. So, one doesn't have to use plastic on its own. They could look at some other polymeric material blended with it to compensate for that stiffness values. So, there are different approaches to it if plastics are presenting a stiffness problem and cracking problems then there are avenues to fix it it's not walking away from plastics basically
4: I think yeah you've, you've preempted um, uh a question from Peter uh, who refers to slide 21 I was actually directing it to Steve so I might uh, I might ask this question to Steve, so he also can answer this. Uh, Is it fair to assume that soft plastics will give a better performing binder than hard plastics?
3: I don't know. I haven't seen test results. Um, So
2: it depends what else is in the mixture and how it's blended. And even the amount of virgin bitumen there will have an impact. And Azim, come up with a great point, which is, uh, maybe we also need to consider our base bitumens where we're blending such products that we uh, look at uh, lower viscosity binders, or we're adding rejuvenators. So I,
3: think
2: uh, one, I don't think you can say one is necessarily better than the other.
1: So I, I think generally speaking, when you look at the landscape of what's currently being used and quite a few demonstration projects have already been done and there's some materials that are already commercial. Uh, A lot of those angle towards the use of um, softer plastics or uh, low melting plastics. So, and then if you look at the database and in fact, you might even look at it in in these examples that we have got, uh, you know, they're definitely promoting slight improvement or improvement in the fatigue properties as well. So I think there is a, little bit of information it's still very foggy out there there isn't a lot of information available for but what little is available is correlating to the use of more you know softer plastics and uh, and and how you design your mixes and then there is uh, you know other comparable fatigue properties or if you're comparing alternative to to uh, to to conventional the way we have set it out in the guide but uh, in in lower aspects it's also showing an improvement in the fatigue properties so it's you know it's it's a composite mixture of various things including design binder content and just about everything but just prima facie with what we know and with the information we have uh, I think you can gain a little bit of um, you know advantage in the fatigue properties if you design it correctly and blend it correctly
3: Okay, so we've got a minute left,
4: um, and I'd like to sort of uh, go back to the whole uh, HSE, health safety, uh, yeah, health safety and environment. Are there any closing comments around that? I mean, there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, so, Azeem, did you want to
1: start? Well, look, I, I, am sort of, and these are my personal views, not Australia's particular views. I, I really feel look, we are dealing with we have been dealing with polymers all over the place so use of recycled plastic is no different Uh, ldps have been used over a period of time the only differential in all of this is that it is recycled material it is uh, it is difficult to sort out it's mixed plastics and that creates an environment of not knowing what's going in the bitumen and if you don't know what's going in the bitumen that how do you sort of assess the occupational health and safety issues and all of those sorts of things, impurities, inorganic materials. That's where the complexities are, as far as the health safety aspects are concerned, and also microplasticity and the leachability and all of those aspects of it. I'm a firm believer that if you can use the right amount of plastic, if they can bond in the bitumen, if you can then blend in the bitumen, then you not, you won't have these issues about leaching and microplasticity because it's it's already you know, it's already amalgamated with the bitumen, or if you are putting in the bitumen and modifying bitumen, then it is a binder already to go. Uh, I think with the warm mix additives that we have, if there's an issue regarding fuming or odor or any of those sorts of issues, that can be mitigated by using some warm mixes additive. So I, I don't see it to be a huge health safety environmental issue, other than the fact, because of the exotic nature of Mixtures and different plastics—that's where the real issue stands. And until we can sort that out, uh, it, we, we will continue to have this you know, these concerns about the health and safety aspects of it. And it's not only us, as I mentioned. The Napa report, the EPA reports, all of those sort of talk about it. Not a lot of work's being done in that area.
4: Steve, any closing comments? We're about a minute over. I think, that,
3: uh, okay. to be
4: fair. <laughs>
2: On the HSE front, it's up to the asphalt supplier to look at that to say, is
3: the alternative asphalt that they are developing or have developed, is there anything into uh, the environment
2: and the workplace especially uh, that's not in the conventional asphalt? Um, And can that be then uh, handled by probably such things as reducing production temperatures? So in the slides, there was a specific point about that to saying, What have you done? Not are you considering this? So, temperature is a key one I see of asphalt. To get asphalt temperatures down, it's a double whammy, it saves on energy,
3: but also it reduces the amount of fumes being emitted.
0: Okay. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, thanks everybody. Thanks, Azim, Sue, Steve. Okay, just a few more words uh, before we finish today's session. Um, our future webinars. Um, on the 24th and 26th of August, uh, we will have two sessions uh, to present an overview of an updated guide to road safety. Uh, and a session on the 16th of September, we will uh, focus on a test method. Uh, for evaluation of the writing performance uh, of binders. Visit our website for more information. Um, We have uh, a lot of questions, as uh, Sue mentioned. Uh, We will respond to them in writing and email the copy of the response to everybody after uh, today's session. Um, And uh, once we close out today's session, there will be a questionnaire uh, that will pop up on your screen, so please take a couple of minutes uh, to fill it in and let us know what you liked or didn't like uh, about the session and what suggestions you have for future webinars. Uh, Once again, this session uh, is being recorded and we will let you know when the recording is available on our website. Uh, Thanks again everyone, stay well and safe and enjoy the rest of your day. We will see you next time. Thank you.